Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Guardian Nurses founder, Betty Long. During season three, we'll be delving in deeper to the amazing lives and stories of nurses and other healthcare professionals from around the country. We'll also be talking with a few of my nurse advocate colleagues at Guardian Nurses. You'll get a behind the scenes peek at the healthcare system, as well as get advice on how to get the best care when you or a loved one is a patient. In many of our podcasts, we've featured nurses from our mobile care coordinator or MCC team telling their stories and sharing suggestions about navigating the healthcare system for our patients and families. In this episode, we are going to highlight our advocacy services team. When I started Guardian Nurses in 2003, every case I got was someone needing help. It didn't matter if it was an insurance issue, like a denial of a needed surgery, or a clinical issue, like a surgeon telling a patient he needed brain surgery, and when we got the second opinion, he didn't need surgery at all. I was the nurse who resolved the case, because back in the early days of Guardian Nurses, it was just me with a little help from my nursing friends, and I was paid by the hour by the patient or family. As the company grew, I brought on more nurses to help with those cases. Nurses who had case management background or were experienced working on insurance cases like denials or appeals. Though most of our nurses now work on the MCC team, we still have a team of rock star nurses who only work on what I call our four alarm fire cases. You'll hear about a few of those cases in this episode as I talk with Kelly Weldon, our team lead, and two of our nurse advocates, Monica Nash and Lori Rivkin. So uh, Monica, Lori, and Kelly, thank you all for joining me this afternoon for the conversation about advocacy services. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Sure. No, it, it'll be a good conversation. Um, as all of you know, uh, on our podcast, we do provide advocacy services to patients all over the United States. Many of our programs, however, are uh, what we call the mobile care coordinator program. And those nurses are dedicated to certain uh, groups of people, whether they be health and welfare funds or companies. But our advocacy services team, these are nurses who answer calls all day, working with patients all over the country uh, and determining whether or not we can help them. And we'll talk a little bit about Kelly and her job. But I wanted to introduce the breadth and depth of the services that you gals provide, uh, as well as other members of our team, but you were the ones that were available. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Kelly, I want to start with you. Uh, you're the team lead for the advocacy services team. Um, how long have you been with Guardian Nurses? I've been with Guardian Nurses just about three years now. Okay, great. So you are the team lead because you... You know all the answers, right? You're the one. <laughs> so, sometimes I hope I do, but not always. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So, so tell me. So, we've talked a lot about mobile care coordinator and the and the dedicated nurses to those populations. But tell me a little bit about what the advocacy services team does. Yeah. So, I like to explain us as the team of nurses that's accepted the challenge to take on the healthcare system. Um, oh. We get an array of different cases and, and different situations that our patients and clients are in that need help um, at that 
moment of time. It's almost like the the fire is burning and they need help putting it out. So yeah, the I, ones that they call. So Kelly, about the 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 fire analogy, I think that there are oftentimes when I make the analogy that the MCC program is well, the the advocacy services are the four alarm fire, and the MCC program is the smoke alarm. So the four alarm fire is. Give me an example of of a call that you might get. Um, just yesterday, we got a call that uh, one of our patients has surgery next week, um, and she still doesn't have the pre auth obtained for um, pre surgery testing that needs to be completed by tomorrow. So it was Ooh. all hands on deck. Let's see if we can get this approval so that she can keep her surgery date. Wow. Wow. That, yeah, that is a four alarm fire. Uh, and, and um, you had to get that approval by when? Um, actually, she needed it by the end of day today. So we had about 24 hours to make that happen. And? Monica? Did it work? It worked. As a matter of fact, just before I got on this call, I found out that the authorization was obtained. She is scheduled. It's all clear and she's very happy. Wow. So, Kelly, let me pivot to Monica just on that note. Um, so, Monica, you had with less than 24 hours to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Um, that must have felt pretty um, well. Intense. Uh, yeah. Intense. Yeah. Okay. Good word. <laughs> So uh, how did you make that magic work? It was a lot of work. Um, The first thing that I did was I called her insurance to verify. Well, I called the place where she was supposed to have her test to see what authorization they had and then what I or did not have. And then I called her insurance company who patched me through to another insurance company um, and said, no, I'm sorry, that case is pending. It could take three to five days. I said, it's urgent. What do we need to do to get this done? So she gave me a half-hearted attempt, and I thought, I'm going to get that done. So I called the uh, the primary care doctor um, and the surgeon's office and asked them if they could please reprocess medical records, et cetera, et cetera. I got telephone numbers. I got faxes, gave them instructions, and it went through probably about 5 o'clock our time yesterday. Um, and then I did verify this morning that she has authorization and everything's good to go. So it was just following a path and sticking with it more than anything else and just knowing who to call. Well, I do. Uh, yes, I do think that does come into play, knowing who to call. And I do think, and Kelly, you can probably substantiate this. I, I do think that it does matter that you're calling as a registered nurse. I, I think that that does give you some, uh, you know, some certain, hopefully, uh, respect and and certainly yeah. recognition that and you, the cred- yeah, the Go credibility, ahead. the credibility of it also that you're in the same field that um, the person you're reaching out to, they know that you're um, legitimately working um, from the medical side of things to make everything happen for the patient, just like they are. But I think that being a registered nurse gives you that credibility on their side. Yeah. And and I think that because Monica kn- knew who to call, right, kn- knew how to cut through some of the red tape that clearly had been happening for 
couple weeks where this thing wasn't approved. I think that that does help. And I think that's what the, the services of, of your team, Kelly, are, you know, able to do that more efficiently than say maybe the patient could, or maybe the patient's doctor could, uh, which is why folks come to us to, to cut through that red tape. So Kelly, so you, you are um, the team lead. Uh, you're kind of like the air traffic controller is how I describe you. Is that, would that be an accurate description? Yeah, I think that every every case that comes our way comes through me first. Um, I talk to the brokers or the referral source and gather as much information as I can. And then I reach out directly to the patients and get their side of the story, gather all of the information, the HIPAA, the, the documents, whatever I can get to build um, the case. And then I assign it to one of our nurses. Okay, so I heard you. So, so these cases don't often just come from private individuals, right? They're coming from other clients that we have, insurance brokers. T talk a little bit about who our clients are. Yeah, so we get some cases. I would say maybe 10% of our cases are private pay um, clients that reach out to us and they pay for us privately. We also have a lot of um, relationships with brokers. Um, that will send cases to us. And then we also have relationships with companies directly where the HR, human resources, will hear, hear about a story or something that's happening with an employee. And they'll reach out to us to see if we can support the employee through their healthcare issues. That's great. And then, and then, um, so the, so the HR person is referring and that's probably helpful to them because then they don't have to get involved and can kind of stand back. And besides, we're the nurses. We're the ones that know how to make things happen. Um, so, uh, uh, Monica, let me, let's shift over to you. I, I remember you telling a story, um, this morning about a case that you recently resolved, uh, for a patient. Uh, can you tell a little bit about that story and tell what happened? Sure. I had a patient who had scheduled surgery. She went in and she had the surgery and postoperatively, there were no beds for her. Um, she had to stay on a post anesthesia or a post-op stretcher until almost 10 o'clock at night where the a sympathetic nursing supervisor found a bed for her on the inpatient orthopedic unit. So she spent an overnight and was discharged later in the afternoon the next day. Lo and behold, a month later, she gets a tremendous bill from the hospital, um, and it turns out that her insurance had denied her stay at the hospital because when that supervisor so kindly placed her in a bed, she was deemed as inpatient, and the surgery was technically an outpatient, meaning she should have been out of the hospital within 23 hours. So it got a little complex. Um, obviously, it should have been covered, and what that was, was going through medical records and pinning down that nursing supervisor at 10 o'clock that night that put her on the inpatient bed. So once we did that, we went back and forth between the hospital and the insurance. And um, as of yesterday, she has a zero balance. She owes nothing. And she was really happy. And how much was the uh, exorbitant bill that she got? $38,000. It was a lot. <laughs> wow. For, for an overnight stay? Yes, and half wow. of that time was was on a stretcher. Ouch, thirty eight thousand yeah. dollars not a bad uh, overnight rate for if you were at the, <laughs> the Ritz Carlton <laughs> or something. Wow, thirty eight thousand. Okay, so no wonder she uh, she was happy to hear from you 
Yes. Um, so what, and, and it just really as, as probably cases often go, it was just misunderstandings, wrong coding, somebody, wrong coding. Was, right. Wrong coding. It was wrong coding. Um, and, and how did that, uh, woman find us? Was she a referral from a, another client? Broker. She was, broker. yeah, she, okay. she was a referral from a broker. Great. So 30. Wow. So congratulations really, really on that happy. one. Yeah, I bet. So good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and Lori Rifkin, you're another one of our, let me bring you into the conversation. You're another one of our, uh, super nurses, um, rock star nurses, Thank as you. I like to call you. Um, and you had a case. So, so a lot of the cases that Kelly and Monica are talking about, you know, were insurance related, uh, getting approvals, uh, going back and getting claims resolved or bills resolved. But you recently had a case that was, uh, let's call it a clinical case. Um, a family had called uh, inquiring if we could help with their mom, right, who was uh, getting uh, treatment for cancer but was having some clinical issues. Can you talk a little bit about how you helped that family? I will. And I, have, I do have to say that these cases, I call them my, are live cases. Not that the appeals aren't live, but these are the here and now, and these are my favorite cases. So I was working with a family that were looking for care for their mom once she left the rehab facility. So one of the first things that I did since my patient was in the rehab facility, I went out to meet her. Because sometimes when families hire us, sometimes what they want sometimes isn't always what the patient wants. So one of my first things to do is be able to tell the patient why I'm out here and why I'm, you know, why the family got me involved and to see what I can do to, to help the patient reach her goals, but still keeping in mind what the family wants best for the patient. So one of the things I, when I meet patients face to face, one of the things I always like to do is obviously introduce myself and get, get on their eye level. So a lot of times patients are on either in a wheelchair or, you know, in bed. So I don't like to be on top of them. I like them. I don't want them to be intimidated by my presence because here's a nurse running in and, you know, trying to maybe do something that they're not comfortable with. So anyway, I did introduce myself and, you know, establish a rapport with my patient. Right. Right. And she told me, you know, obviously she wants to go home. Right. Um, the patient was very weak and the family was concerned that when she went home that she wasn't wouldn't be able to take care of herself independently anymore. Right. Which was a hard concept for my patient to understand because she was an independent woman. Right. So it's kind of had to find this fine line between explaining to her that you are going to be able to go home, but you might need some help. Right. And that's what the family was trying to do. So yeah. Cause I, I think we, we always, I mean, as nurses, right, and you know this because of your experience, but it's always about safety first, right? We want to make sure that they can remain as independent as they can, but but safely. Correct. And that was one of the things that I explained is that, you know, at this point in time that she wasn't independent. And the goal was even when she got home, she wasn't going to be independent. But if she wasn't safe, you know, right now she's going forward. She'd go five or 10 steps back and be maybe in worse position than what she is now Okay. at that time. So um, you have to find a tactful way to 
let the patient know that this is in the, in the long run in, in their best interest and that in the mm-hmm. long run, you know, the goal would be, okay, you might have these, someone coming out to help you every day. Then as you get stronger, it might be every other day. And right. then to the point where maybe it's just once a day, you know, one time a week so the family could you know, be comfortable going out, things like that. Right. Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's, it's important, I think, to, to make sure as you did, right. To, to develop the rapport with the patient, um, but also it's sometimes easier as a nurse who's not part of the family to come in and render that kind of opinion or cons- consultation, if you will, and that the patient then, you know, they don't have the relationship that they have with their family, right? You're not their kids. It's a little easier to deliver that news than it would be for perhaps somebody who was in the family who was a nurse or, you know, their son or, you know, it's a lot easier to get that message from somebody who's a professional. Correct. I, I often, you know, even though the children are adults to the to the patient, they're still her children. And often, you know, mom knows best. I'm in charge. Right. So when you have a professional come in as a nurse and looks at the situation, you know, explains, okay, this is the perspective that we're looking at. And right. it's a, you know, everyone all has the same goal. And obviously your goal is to go home. So that this is what we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. And that might right. be initially might, you might be home, not the way you want it to be independent, but you'll be home right. and you'll have the support. And then from there, you, you don't want anyone to lose hope that this is, this is how it's going to be forever. You know, right. go home, get your, get some help. And as you get stronger, the goal is for you to get stronger. And then we can revisit this. And I think so that, that, that makes it a little bit more easier or accepting for our patients. Right. And, and that was a family who'd come to us and they are paying privately, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. And sometimes that's even hard because sometimes when you have multiple people in, in the family, they have different ideas too. So not only are you seeing what the patient wants and you're hearing from different members of the family, what they think is best. And you try to get a little bit of every, you know, hear everyone's story or opinion and then, let let them know what my opinion is and what I think is best. Because again, my even though they're paying me, the patient is still my client, and I want her right. or the patient to be, be comfortable with whatever is being done for her and not acting, not feeling as if it's being forced upon them. Right, or the people are ganging up on her. Right. I mean, I I, I know you have a large family. I have I come from a large family, and. Um, at least when my dad was sick, uh, you know, I felt like all my siblings, we were together. We all knew what dad's goal was uh, and it was a little easier, but not all families are working in sync sometimes. So that's hard. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was what I call a clinical case. You call it a live case <laughs> yeah. as opposed, as opposed to another uh, word. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> let me, uh, let me shift over. Cal, you, you had a case, uh, I think also that I wanted to highlight. Um, it was an insurance case, right? So we're back to the insurance side of the world, but, um, it was a case that you had worked on and resolved. Uh, can you tell us about that case? Yeah, I got, um, the referral from a broker. Um, one of his, imp- one of the companies he represents had an employee, um, her young, teenage daughter had an extremely large um, breast size and at her young age was denied a breast reduction um, 
due to the wording of the pre-surgical authorization the doctor had submitted um, down to the amount of tissue that was um, not decided upon, but would be decided during surgery, the grams okay. of that amount of tissue. Um, so so, if we can so hold on, the approval from the insurance company was based on the amount of tissue that would be removed? Yes. And the, the doctor had submitted the pre-auth with a range of possible tissue that would be removed during surgery, but okay. would be determined during surgery um, okay. because it was a difficult amount to determine ahead of time. Yeah. Because okay. it, it was a range, it was denied. Oh. Yeah. They, wait, they want the insurance company wanted the physician or the surgeon to give an exact amount before yes. he even opened. Yep. Wow. And if it wasn't the exact amount, they would not approve it. So you can so imagine. How did you, how did you figure did that you out? Figure um, well, I had to research the medical records, the documentation, the denial details, um, speaking multiple calls with the insurance company. I'm trying to determine what the real denial was because it wasn't clear. Once it was determined, I needed to arrange for this young girl to go for an, a follow-up consultation. And I was able to work very closely with the surgeon um, for him to put an exact amount of grams of tissue that he would remove, even though that amount of tissue could change during surgery if it wasn't appropriate at that time. So, right. it was, it was, so it was a lot of legwork um, and then getting mom to agree to have the daughter seen again. Um, the doctor rewrote all new records, all new notes, visits, um, wrote a specific letter to the insurance company um, stating the reasons for the reduction and the exact amount that he planned to remove. Um, so we got all that gathered. She also was having emotional distress because she right. didn't look and feel like the other teenagers her age. She was not able to um, be physical, participate in gym class. Wow. Um, so I set her up with a therapist and got all of that documentation and mm -hmm. submitted all of the new plans, all of the notes from the surgeon and the therapist resubmitted everything and we did get an approval. It was 100% paid. Congratulations. But it really, yeah, it really did come down to the details of the amount of tissue that would be removed. It seems to me that that, that would be um, not cruel and unusual. Like to have yes. a surgeon detail out the exact amount of tissue before mm -hmm. surgery to have it approved. Yes. Seems like that's just a hurdle that they've created. Yes, um, it it wow. really felt like a hurdle. Yeah, that's good work. That right? I felt and, so good about that because that was one of those cases. It affected that young girl's life right. so mm -hmm. much. She was able to feel normal again. Oh, that's great. Yeah. How old was she, Kelly? 14. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Great.
So that so that's yet another insurance case, as we call them, we to be between insurance and clinical or live, as Lori calls them. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me let me drill down a little bit to Monica and and Lori. Uh, you you gals are relatively new to the team, mm-hmm. but you are not new to nursing. You are you are veteran nurses, uh, and you've come to uh, this new role, uh, advocating for patients both clinically and with their insurance claims. Um, what is it that you like? Like what do, what's what's feeding your soul uh, when you're doing these cases, Monica? I'll ask you first. The wins, <laughs> the wins. Um, because I can be an annoying little gnat and I just keep going (laughs) and it it feels, you know, sometimes you, it, it, insurances make things difficult. So, um, and that's typically why we get a referral is because somebody's already exhausted and it feels really good when you make that phone call. But on the other side, when it's, when it's not an appeal, I get very excited when, um, I've had, People reach out to me and ask me to find um, find a doctor, to find behavioral therapy, to find um, in another state that they've tried and they've exhausted themselves with that. And when you get that and you call them back, I have an appointment for you. This is how much it will cost. And you're already set up. And they, they're so thankful. And I think that that's the best part of it. That's what I like. The wins. Monica, okay. Monica, yes. Monica, being your team lead. And listening to your passion and the way that you respond to your cases is really strong. It affects me so much because the appeal cases or the cases um, that are $40,000, that's not what's driving you. I mean, that's all fantastic. But when you have a case that is for $27, but you know how that affects that patient, that pushes you and you go in there with your armor on and you're ready to win for them. And it doesn't matter that that amount of that case. Thanks, Kelly. And, and, and I think, Betty, um, I missed clinical nursing because I loved my patients. I loved right. them. And that was a hard transition to, you know, not to touch people every day. Right. Um, but, but this is a win when, 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 just like Kelly said, it may, it may be a $27 reward or yeah. finding that appointment, but it, it, it's a different way of touching people. And you still, as a nurse, that's why you're a nurse. You want to make a difference. Right. Yep. No, I hear it. I, I know what Kelly's, I know it, what Kelly speaks of. I, I hear it. Lori, how about you? I know that you're a little bit, you know, longer uh, in tenure uh, at Guardian Nurses uh, that Monica is. But but what's, um, you know, tell us about your 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 wins. What's what's feeding your soul? What feeds my soul is when I talk to patients and they're so appreciative of my knowledge and a lot of time, well, I recently, one of the patients that I've been recently working with, she's had a new cancer diagnosis. And she said to me, I feel like you're my sister who's a nurse. And uh-huh. I said, well, you know, that's basically what I am. I'm the family member that has the knowledge and has the knows how to call what physician I should call, when I should call case management when we should call the doctor, when we should call the insurance company. I'm that family member for 
our patients that they don't have. And we all know as nurses, we always get phone calls from, you know, a, a friend, a cousin. Hey, I know you're a nurse, but can you tell me? And yeah. basically when <laughs> I'm in that role now with my patients and it's so enjoyable. Sometimes I would say to, you know, I feel like I'm getting paid for being a good human being. I'm getting paid <laughs> for my knowledge. Um, yes. I, my background yes. is completely different from Monica's. I've been a home, in home care almost my whole entire nursing career. So it was a lot of, initially it was a lot of hands-on. Then I did work in the office. So I did miss that human touch for many years because I was mostly dealing with insurance companies. Okay. But I think being a part of the team with Kelly and Monica and my other colleagues, we balance each other really well with all our areas of background. There's, right. I call Monica all the time and say, hey, you know, I'm not, I, always, I always joke and say, because I've been in home care, I know a little about a lot of things. Right. So right. in this job, I get to use that, but then have a wealth of my team and other teammates to pick their brains. But yet, still have that human touch. Still be able to call someone and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Or text them. Oh, did right. you get that appointment yet? Is there anything I can do to help you? Right. So that is what drives me now: um, is being someone's sister, <laughs> who's a nurse. <laughs> I enjoy that, right. and that's for my family. <laughs> right. That sounds well, so familiar. Hey, you're a nurse. Can you help me? <laughs> right. Correct. Right. Yeah, even even at cocktail parties, you don't even want to tell people you're a nurse. Like, yes, I remember. Yes. <laughs> I remember. I was at a, a reception. It was at a holiday reception many years ago, and um, w one of the um, the guests uh, pulled me aside and said, "Hey, can you take a look at this wound I have?" And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay." Um, yeah, Kelly, how about you? I mean, you, you, you were the, uh, longest tenured, um, in leadership, uh, here for the advocacy team. Uh, all of us have, have certainly worked in the advocacy role because that's what we were founded on, right? That's what, when I, when I opened the guardian nurses, it was because like Lori said, and Monica said that we, you know, we can help people in, in a more direct role that, that they may not have a nurse in the family, but yet here we are. Um, and you came to us also, I think, from home care. Um, what do you like about the role? I like being that person that people come to um, that do not have the medical background. And I can always um, refer back to when something's happening in my family. Um, how would they do this if they didn't have me? If they didn't have someone speaking up for them with their healthcare needs or this new diagnosis, how would they handle this? How would they know which direction to go in? I love being able to be the person that, oh, well, that's your diagnosis. Let's talk about it. Um, how's that going to affect you? What do we need to make sure you have in place? Um, have you seen this specialist? And maybe that's too long for you to wait. Let's get that appointment sooner. I'd like to, to help them through that whole process of getting things in place that they would have had no idea of how to move forward without someone that's used to dealing with healthcare. Right. Well, then you are in the right job. <laughs> you, you have got yourself into the right role because that is what you do every day. You, you and Monica, Lori, Colleen, Stephen, 
all the gang on the advocacy services team. I think, uh, you know, we often talk about our batting average uh, in terms of cases that we get and how many cases we resolve. And I know uh, for a fact, uh, I know some of you are baseball fans, but you are batting at least 750 uh, with all the cases that you get. I don't hear many that are, um, that, that are not resolved. Um, I, I maybe one in the last month, which given the amount of volume that you have is a pretty, uh, pretty impactful uh, statistic. So you gals are all in the hall of fame, the, the nursing advocacy hall of fame before you're even <laughs> retired. Think about it. So <laughs> are, are Thank you, you. Put a up for us. I want to pack in headquarters. <laughs> Wait, I would, I would like a parking spot. You would like a parking spot. Right. Well, Lori, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to, that, that my experience with the hall of fame is retiring your number, you know, and uh. the back comes off. So that's not going to happen for a while. As far as I'm no. concerned. No. No. You're still, as far as I'm concerned, Lori, you're still in the height of your career, the prime of your career. Uh, so can we re re renegotiate our contracts? <laughs> I win $10 million. <laughs> right. You no, really you, the, the, the services and that you provide and, and then support both the brokers and the private clients and, you know, the law firms that come in and, and just the, the creativity, which what I like, right. Like when you guys talk about, you know, touching patients. What I like is, is the, the ability to be creative in a way that most people don't think of nurses as, because, you know, you, you can think outside the box. You can think of ideas like Monica, you were talking about, you know, calling somebody that helped your patient here locally may have had a connection in California, right? Yes. That's, that's what I love about that. It's like figuring out the solutions in a way that is effective and, and resourceful and, you know, gets the patient what they need, which is what you're all driven for, right? We're all wired the same way. We got to make mm -hmm. sure the patient's okay. So, mm -hmm. uh, so thank you all uh, for just being, as I call you the rock star nurses. Uh, I think we have a team, an entire team of rock stars, but you guys really uh, show how effective you can be in such a short time, right? You get in there, you put out the fire, uh, and then you move on and you make a lasting impression to people. So thank you all, uh, not only for joining me, but for all of your work. Thank you, Betty. Thank you, Betty. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Bye, Bye everyone. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.